0: I'm recording. <laughs> Good afternoon, beautiful people. Um, this is like episode either 10 or 5 of the podcast project or something else which is yet to be decided. Um, I'm Craig Harriman. It's now 1.43 on a Saturday afternoon. We've just finished a nice big team workout and I'm sat here with Cara Brennan who, if you don't know, is a fucking superhero. And... Um, so, Kara, when was it, in June? Yeah, 20th in of June.
1: June
0: completed. Twenty of July. 20th of July. 20th of July uh, we're, well, she completed something pretty amazing. It's Kokora, what number was it?
1: 52. Kokora 52,
0: which is, you need to go on YouTube. What?
1: Kikora oh, no, wait, it was Kokora 51. I apologise.
0: <laughs> 51. You need to go on YouTube and look up what Kokora is, Sylphic Kokora, and, and in fact, if you don't know what Kokora is, pause this. Go and watch one of the videos on Kokora, and then come back and listen to it, and you'll appreciate it a lot more. So, Kara, um, tell us a little bit about yourself pre Kokora. Some of um, the 52 years before Kokora 52.
1: Um, well, uh, I have been training at Base Three since we opened, and been training with Craig for about you now five or six years. So, just a bit of
0: a backstory, me and Kara, like. We've put it on pause, but at the moment we're super rivals, we're training for a competition and we're on an opposite team, so like she's my mortal enemy. But we've we'll put that aside for the purpose of this podcast.
1: Thankfully, because I feel like I wouldn't be able to complete the podcast with you. Um so we've been training together for about five years, we've been in Dubai for about seven years, um, and then training quite competitively in CrossFit for probably three or four years. Um and Rick Mante, one of the guys who used to train in Live Spark. Uh, got me onto Kokoro, got me onto Seal Fit years ago, and it was something that I'd always wanted to do. What was Rick's do. dog's name? Um, Samson. Samson. Best dog ever. The biggest dog. You could yeah. ride Samson. Yeah, he was like a mini horse. Uh, so he told me about Seal Fit years ago, and it was something I'd always wanted to do. It was a bit weird. I've always been into those like GI Jane movies and stuff like that. Um, but obviously it was never the right time to do it because I think it needs a lot of dedication and time and effort and training and. Um, I would say hundred percent focus if you're if you're probably going to attempt it. And I was getting married and doing different things and jobs and whatever. So um, sat down with Craig in when January January of last year and did some goal planning and like basic stuff. Weightlifting and then kind of competition stuff and then like a long term goal which is Kikora. um and I had in the long term goals that I wasn't going to attempt because I don't know I guess I was being pussy and Craig was like okay well why don't you just sign up for it? um
0: So you'd been thinking about it for how long before you actually spoke about?
1: Like well life sparks it would have been like two and a half three years. So I've known
0: I've known of Kokora for like years and years and years and Mark Devine and I've followed it and, and watched like, I remember a bunch of Crossfitters went through the Kokoro camp. So I watched it all for like five or six years ago. Um, so I got excited when everybody started talking about it. So when you brought it up to me in January, I was just like, what like actual Kokoro camp is in? So I was super impressed. And I remember you asking me saying, do you think it's stupid? And I went, yes, very stupid. But I didn't think I said this as well is, If literally anybody else that I know, there's very, very few people, like, I don't think I could list five people that if they said to me, I'm going to do this, that I'd encourage them to do it, I generally wouldn't. Like, most people, I would say, like, if they want any training, I want to run a marathon, I'm going to say, like, yeah, okay, you could probably do it, you could probably do this, but something this big, not everybody should attempt Mm. And I was like, you need, to, and it's not just physically because anybody can put enough work in if they're willing to be physically prepared enough. But there's yeah. a lot more to it than that. I, I generally thought you would be able to do it. So you came to me in January. January I
1: think.
0: I'm going to do this.
1: Um, and yeah, and you just said, well, have you signed up? Like, are you are you going to do it? When I hadn't. I had it on a piece of paper, but I don't know how much of a reality it was in my mind at the time. So then I went away, and a couple of days later, I just signed up and sent in a screenshot and just said, okay, I think we need to get going. Done. So that was the lead-up to Kokora.
0: So we're talking end of Jan-ish yeah. till July, so that's about six months. Yeah. What did those six, mo- six, six months look like in terms of A, training, B, your lifestyle, yeah. including work uh, and other training and then like mentally let's, let's do training first So what do your training look like to prepare yourself for Kokoro 51 or
1: 52 so 51 so um, I was training I was pre-Kokoro pre-signing up. I was training like six days a week so um, I continued that six days a week and then three days a week was training twice a day so volume went up and training changed Somewhat, and that was a bit of a bargain, uh, a bit of a negotiation between me and you. Uh, I didn't want to back away fully from CrossFit because I knew that would send me insane. Um, but I obviously I needed to up the volume um, and 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 kind of like a lot more running and then different type of training with like load and different stuff, and a lot more gymnastics and I'm um, prepared for the types of movements and, and tests that we were going to have, that I knew we were going to have when we got there.
0: Yeah, so if you haven't been to YouTube yet and looked up Kokora, if you haven't done it, go and do it now. But Kokora is a military run program, so we expected a lot of things like heaps of running, loads of trekking and marching. Loads of like loaded backpack and boot and loads of bodyweight training. So it yeah. was like heaps of pull-ups, heaps of push-ups, heaps of squats, what were expecting? Yeah.
1: They, they don't tell you really like what to prepare for exactly, other than two things. One is MRF and then the other is a personal standards test. Um, so they were the two things we absolutely knew were going to happen. Which again then, is
0: made up of pull-up, push-up,
1: squat and running. Exactly, yeah. Uh, and then the other stuff yeah we we didn't know but um
0: car's got a really good coach
1: yeah who prepared everything so that was great um so that was the kind of training stuff i think um a lot more volume um and then six days a week one rest day and then three days a week twice a day
0: so some of i obviously i know because i i helped you come with the workouts but what were some of like some of the specific things you remember through your training like I remember once we had like doing ten mile. What well, we did a couple of um... there was
1: the run. The running parts were like the well. The in gear rook stuff was started slow. Started with a shorter distance, and then every week was building on the distance. Yeah, and um, getting up to I think one of the last rooks was around sixteen kilometres. Mm. Um, and that was with uh with weight. weight yeah yeah so military boots. We had to train in military boots, and then with um, a weighted vest. Uh, then there was a lot of Murph um, stuff, so running pull-ups, push-ups and squats uh, and then there was a lot of I think mental tests um, so one of the workouts was a thousand lunges with my hands on my head and I couldn't take, and if I took my hands off my head there was like a punishment of some sort.
0: To start again. Sure. I was
1: <laughs> really? <laughs> <No>.
0: <laughs> No, that uh,
1: really funny. Uh, and then, i didn't think
0: you'd do that i didn't think you'd do it she did it i remember seeing keeping an eye in the corner yeah. but what i wanted you to do i didn't write this down i forgot and i was kind of gutted is in the corner you did it facing into the gym i wanted uh, you to do it in facing into the corner yeah a because it'd look amazingly funny <laughs> and be like a mental test like you get this you could too. have got distracted by like oh so so and so doing with
1: it? yeah but then <laughs> I just, to be fair, I think I did look fairly ridiculous. You look super ridiculous. Most of the time when I was in the gym, like crawling around the gym, like up and down. The did anybody
0: come and ask what you were doing whilst yeah. you to 1,000 lunges? Yeah,
1: so many people. Because it took me so long that, like, classes were finishing and they were like, what are you still doing here? So, um, so, so yeah, that was... Everybody
0: who's done Chad, try that one as well. Like, if you've done Chad and you enjoyed that one, try 1,000 lunges without taking your hands off your head.
1: Was- yeah. And then the next part of the training, uh, the other part of the training was sleep deprivation prep. So, oh, yeah. I actually so, forgot about that. Yeah. So that was, um, we did a 24, 36, 40, 46? 40
0: hours. Uh, I think we planted in 46, but yeah. I think we wrapped it up a little bit early. Because one of the toughest things to account for with Kokora was that you're awake for 50 hours. Yeah. So it's essentially, if you still haven't been onto YouTube, it's essentially a 50-hour workout where... They limit your food intake just enough to support the activity. You're continuously training pretty much nonstop 50 hours, and the worst part being no sleep. I think that's just constant activity. With yeah. No sleep for 50 hours is crazy. So, yeah, we so did we a couple did the, of days of...
1: We did the sleep deprivation, trained Thursday mornings, then went to work for the whole day, and then came straight back to the gym and, like, worked out for the night or, you know, went home and had to stay awake and then come back in the morning or whatever it was. Yeah. Um, and yeah
0: so I think that was the main part of training. Amazing. and then how was so that six months how did you feel uh like mentally like you handled it very very well I thought physically like training like those couple yeah. of days where you're like I'm, I'm beat up but you were able to push yeah. through um but how what was like mentally how was your mindset moving from like getting close to the day how did you mentally prepare yourself?
1: I think there was a couple of things mentally I got in Outside of the training and gym stuff, I got a a new job that coincided with this happening, which obviously when I signed up, I wasn't exactly, I didn't know what was going to happen. So um, that obviously throws you when you have a new job and you have to, you know, try and I think every new job throws you for at least the first six months that both of these two things happened at the same time. Wouldn't have planned it that way, but anyway. Shit happens. Yeah. Um. So so that was so that was one thing. I think the training went really well for probably four and a half five months, and then towards the end, I found it really difficult mentally. And I don't know if it was because we had done some of the longer sleep deprivation stuff. It took me longer than to recover from those during the week and work. And um, but I found towards the end, and I think towards the end when it becomes like a real reality that you're actually going, I really doubted how much I had done. And I, that was a big thing that came into my mind. I haven't done enough. I'm going to go there and I'm not going to be able to complete it and it's going to be such a waste. And how am I going to tell my parents? How am I going to tell my husband? How am I going to tell Craig? What excuses am I going to make? So um, so mentally, I think towards the end, a lot of self-doubt um, came into it. So.
0: And then I want to like jump into what actually... Well, actually happened with Cora? But you mentioned Jake there. Like, what that must have been hard.
1: Yeah. So we had a chat. Um,
0: Jake's the- a legend, by the way. Cora's husband, Jake. I know him quite well. Jake's Jake's <laughs> a top bloke. But-
1: yeah. So we had a chat at the start, and I basically like asked slash negotiated slash. We just we just talked about it and said, okay, what do you think about me doing this? Because if I do it, it's going to mean like six months of like, really dedicated and focused on this and nothing else. So, like, social life going out and stuff, like, you're probably going to do a lot of that on your own. Um, and which, if you know
0: Jake, he <laughs> does enjoy a beverage.
1: <laughs> yeah, and, like, before that, obviously, we both enjoyed a beverage together. So it's a real change in our relationship to say, okay, well, I'm actually not going to be there anymore. So, um, so yeah, so he was totally supportive of it, which is, I think, Critically important yeah, to so be able important. to do something like this because if you've got someone at home who's not supportive, it's way for me anyway, it would have been too much yeah. the professional pressure that I was under and then obviously the pressure of trying to do this, I couldn't have taken, I don't think, another pressure against me at that amazing. time, so yeah, he was amazing.
0: Awesome, so then we get to July um taper off training, you flew out how, much, how far in advance did you fly out?
1: I got there about three four days in advance, but I, I blew my neck out just the week before I went. That's right. Yeah. So that was a bit of a problem. That wasn't the big problem but then. Um,
0: slight problem.
1: Yeah. I I couldn't move my neck for like a week before I went, so that happened. the tapering of training probably wasn't what I would have planned because I literally stopped dead training yeah. because I couldn't move my neck anymore.
0: Which, depending on how you look at it, might not been a bad thing because that would have just got you like super amped up, ready to train. Yeah. You would have done enough preparation leading up to it that having a week off before probably left you pretty recovered. Again, not ideal, but yeah. probably worked out well. Yeah. So you land in
1: land in, land America, in uh, yeah, and headed to San Diego, yeah, and headed to one of the hotels that they'd recommended we stay in. Funnily enough, they had these. Um, leaflets for a masseuse in the hotel oh. the masseuse that i called was an ex physio masseuse like super super qualified i think all the stars aligned so that she came really? she like touched my back and said you're really really tight she came in the three day two and a half days i was there and had contacted her she came three times to, to try and sort out my back and my neck and stuff
0: and did, um, did she know what the car was did she know what you were doing no
1: she didn't know what it was but obviously we told her and she right. was like jesus yeah. <laughs> um. So she sorted me out, and by the time the the night before I went, I slept well, and I could not move my neck and again. Nice. So that was great. Um. Yeah. And and yeah. So two days, two about well, three and a half days to acclimatise and whatever, and do a few walks and and stuff. And yeah, then. Then it was go time. All right, so what
0: time, talk us through, like, start to finish, give us, like, a step-by-step summary, and then we'll go back and go into detail about what were the best and worst parts. So you turn up at, what time do you kick off?
1: 10 a.m. So we had to be in, it was in the desert. So we, like, when I was there in the in the couple of days before, we had done a few dry runs out to see how long it would take and sort of taxing everything. So we got out there for about 10 a.m. And uh, at that point, I realized I was the only girl doing this. <laughs> and there was no other female coaches or well, i didn't see any other females at that point so bit devs because i was really hoping there'd be a girl there. how
0: many participants was it 20 28 28 only female and no female staff yeah only female this yeah. is my favorite bit about the whole story is that car was the only female <laughs> on the whole weekend that was amazing and uh i'm
1: anyway, like the guys are pretty intimidating uh, the, you have to wear um black pants black or black pants and um military boots and then a white t-shirt with your name on the front and back and like the guys were all massive and like looked just like they just really were intimidating so we dropped off our bags or whatever and we were just standing around one of the guys had already done it before so he just kind of gave us a little bit of a heads up look they're going to come over they're going to do this and this was a
0: guy participating on it
1: participating yeah and so completed this, it before he had completed it before yeah why do you so, doing it again what um, not i know and um, so we were ba- basically we all just kind of stood in um, in a formation like in, in lines in order of height and basically arm width in front and back and then out And that was because this guy gave a heads up. This guy would just said, uh, "Look, just stand in, a, in an organized way when they get here." And um, Craig and I had so a bit of a backtrack. My my dad basically had figured out a guy that he works with in Ireland's son had done this year a year ago and my dad had gotten a bit of a debrief from his dad and said oh you know it didn't go so well this car was pretty messed up after it and and it scared my dad somewhat so craig and i gave this guy a call one night but i didn't know him and and we just called him one night and that was it super Um, hard to understand yeah (laughs) and then so i'm standing there in the morning and these guys arrive up in. I don't know how to describe the cars. Like the like the kidnapper vans, you know, the, <laughs> the big white ones with the blacked-out windows, the yeah. big American ones. I, I don't know what type of kidnapper vans, you know, yeah. And that's the brand. And uh, so for they, kidnapper. Yeah. So they so they arrived and they were down the end of a car park and just stopped the car in the end of the car park. They all got out of the car again. Like all these massive guys in khaki. Army pants, t-shirts, hats, glasses. Presumably, all
0: ex Navy SEALs. They're all
1: everyone's ex Navy SEAL, other than one guy. But I didn't know that at the time. They're all like they're all ex They're all ex SEALs, so that's they're either active or inactive, but they've all been through. It. Well, that's what we thought anyway. So these guys get out and they just stand at, at the end of the car park, just eyeing us, and and we didn't know what. Well, I didn't know what to do. So then they slowly but surely like creep the car up, and a few of them were walking, and it the car yet. Yeah, and I was, car was panicking, to get kidnapped. <laughs> yeah. And then the guys like walk up and just stop in front of a few people's faces, like right in their face, like um. And then one of the guys comes over to me. He just goes, "Are you Irish?" And I was like, "Yeah." Do you know Kane? Can I close on this? Of course. Do you know Kane? And, and I was like, "Yeah, that's the guy that we had talked to." And he goes, "You're fucked," and just walked <laughs> off.
0: Kane, Kane's the guy that we got on Skype. We've had a chat with.
1: And like, I'm just thinking after he walked off, like, I don't know him. He's not my friend. I spoke <laughs> to him spoke to him once. Why did we say yes? And um, and they just walked off. And I was like, and and they didn't speak to anyone else in the whole group. And I was really feeling like a bit on edge because I was the only girl. Right. And then they come up to me and they're like, "Well, you're fucked." <laughs> like oh my god and then so they basically said follow us and and we kind of ran behind cars or whatever and went over to this place the the grinder which is the kind of focal point of everything that happens it's just a big flat sand area and and then there's a rig to the to the side of it Mm -hmm. and, and that's kind of where everything happens and then we went into um this like really intense kind of hazing thing um so they give you, they give you your, they give you your weapons, which is basically the cylindrical um, pipes filled with sand. It's about, I don't know, about eight kg, um, and really awkward to to carry. Like my hand didn't fit around it, so I couldn't carry it with one hand. I'd carry it with two hands, like my hands were too small. And it was just really awkward. And basically, they said like, if anyone gets a weapon off you, you're like, it's it's not a good situation to be in. So you have to protect that and. They gave you your sandbag and stuff, which is your weighted weighted backpack, and um, and then they just go into this whole big hazing thing. And I don't know, coaches just seem to come out of nowhere. And they had all those um, megaphones with the sirens on them, and everyone screaming at you. And they do I this do. thing belly back feet, so you do like they just keep screaming at you, so you have to get on your belly, and then. They, they say back, you have to get on your back, and they just change it all the time, and 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 you have to repeat everything that they say, and you're just totally overwhelmed by information, by people screaming at you. They have hoses and they're spreading you. Yeah, I was gonna say they squirt your
0: post twice, while this is all happening.
1: Yeah. Um, I kept turning, like they kept screaming me in the face, and I kept turning my face away so that I could breathe because I was like choking on the water, just because I was trying. With it. I was so overwhelmed. and... Uh, one of the one of the interns came up to me after a while. I was like, "Listen, just t- just don't turn your face away. You're obviously showing a lot of weakness, and, and they're going to keep doing t- keep doing that." And um, so then, yeah, obviously you just start to learn and breathe and calm down, and and then um, I think I'm pretty sure um, they pulled me out first, and then took me to the ice bath, which was pretty bad because at this point I've, you're in the California desert. I guess it was around noon, so it's hot. And your heart rate's really up, and you're in this like hazing thing, and everyone's going crazy, and then I couldn't get my heart rate to come down, and then they're like, Okay, you're in the ice bath, and they put you in, and they just say, Okay, go water and you have to hold your breath, and I'll tell you when to come up. They'll tap you could put your hand on the side of the bath so that you could feel them tap your hand and tell you to come up. But um, and I think they said like you have to hold your breath for about 10 seconds, but I was going under and and then I think because I knew there was 10 seconds like at around what I thought was like eight seconds or what they said was four seconds I would then start hyperventilate and couldn't couldn't stay under. So it took me a couple of times to do that and they were like, you're not getting out until you finish it so I needed to finish it. Um, Finally I did but uh, I think that was a bit tough and my my boots, my pants and everything were soaked then um, which obviously made them a lot heavier and that was one thing that I didn't train was I never trained wet I always yeah. trained all my stuff dry Yeah. so that was a, a really big difference because your boots the boots the military boots are the, I had the 511 boots and they're big leather boots so when they get wet they're considerably heavier oh, yeah. um, so then we did all the hazing stuff and I think that we kind of came out of that and at this point we didn't even know each other's names like we didn't well other than the t-shirts but like we didn't know anyone um, and then we came out of that, and they started to introduce like your your swim buddy, which is basically a person that you stay with for the for the whole event, and it's a person that you're accountable for. They're accountable for you, so if you start to go a bit, I don't know, loopy or whatever. Um, but also if you get into danger or anything like that. So, and um, they introduced that sort of stuff, and and um, and then. Um, and then they took us out into the desert. We were doing like a lot of running, running in pairs. So you had to like hold hands or link arms or whatever. And this is when they started to introduce all the all the task-based stuff. So they gather us as a, as a group, as a team, and this is what you need to do. Tell us how long it's going to take you to do it. And we all then had to decide how long it's going to take. If, if you were way slower, then obviously you're not trying. If you were way quicker, then you're just being a pussy when you're when they're asking so you like what times, your time yeah. is so, um, so like to be honest and to, to actually like if you're there and you're going to do this you may as well be realistic about it um, and so they took us into the desert did a lot of that stuff and then each different coach would take you for different evolutions so they would plan it and you kind of go up and down and the intensity goes up and down and up and down but you don't know that at the time you're just kind of following what's going on and you're still pretty overwhelmed and um, and and yeah so they just uh, then they took us into another part of the desert another coach would take us and they would just pace us so they'd pick us up and we'd have to run and follow them we never knew how fast we'd have to go or you, you just have to follow them and have to pace off them and have to be ready to do it and did you know what
0: distances you were doing nothing so it was like oh we're gonna go run 10k it was like just no. go yeah i love
1: that um and um, i'm taking
0: notes for writing next week's programming <laughs>
1: Uh, just a blank program. but I'd like to so you
0: remember one time in train? I said oh we'll,
1: yeah, come yeah, back yeah.
0: turn up in your boots and I just got my bike and said just follow me and we just rode off to, down to JBR yeah. I thought it was quite clever um, I, and
1: then, I, was, I was in
0: front of you couldn't see but I was laughing like the whole time yeah yeah uh, that was
1: pretty weird on a serious day night when I'm running around JBR JBR is like
0: super touristy <laughs> there's like Russian tourists everywhere Cars and her boots, and on my bike, and she was pulling me through JBR at peak time, it's hilarious.
1: Yeah, um, and then they took us down to the grass, and they paired us up, and we had to do different stuff, like carrying one another up and down on races, and, and then you were the stuff. only female. Yeah, so everyone's like, I'll carry her. <laughs> so, yeah, that was a bit tough. I, my swim buddy was a similar, similar-ish size, me, smaller, but obviously it was huge, really stuffy, but... Um, but yeah, that was a bit tough because and and I also I don't know you think it at the time, but I always felt like, Oh shit, like my my weapon and stuff is the same how is the same the weight they it's guys, all the yeah, the the discriminate yeah. Um, and I remember at this start, at this point, we were starting to get. I was starting to get pretty bad like cramps. I remember I had one massive cramp down the front of my leg into my knee, and um, from carrying the uh, the weapon on one side and running for a really long time with it on one side, not changing, whatever. Um, and yeah, they did loads of different stuff. Like you have to carry each other, and um, you have to do a lot of bear crawls, a lot of army crawls on your on your um, on your forearms and stuff like that. And then they, they they watch your food and stuff like that. They watch your, your drink and your food. And when, whenever they tell you to drink, you have to drink. And they have a lot of electrolyte stuff, a lot of water, and they're really well prepared for that. And um, we got to the evening of the first night. And was all the food
0: that you ate over the weekend provided by then you didn't bring yeah. anything for yourself?
1: No. I mean, you could have brought something in your bag if you wanted to, but to be honest, they're monitoring everything you eat, and they're monitoring your like calorie intake, and if you're puking, and if you're doing any of that stuff. Okay. So they they they'll have like they have your name on board, and they have what you've eaten, and then how many times you've puked, yeah. and how many times like well, you've done other, like other ways of puking, and then, and then and so they know everything that's going on, and, and they have a full medical staff there with you the whole time, and and. If you feel bad, they encourage you at the start. Like, they they give you a briefing, they're like, No, we don't want anyone to die. So if you're really sick, you tell us. Like, we're gonna we're gonna notice, but don't like push through something if you're there's a difference between, I guess, like hurt and injury and all that stuff. Um, so then we got to the evening, and that's when we did Murph. And I remember we started Murph in the daytime, finished it when it was dark, and then we did the PST. So I had always trained Murph like fresh not mm-hmm. um doing the days of a training yeah, yeah. It, yeah. And, and soaking wet yeah so that was obviously a bit of a change but on the day they changed our move to partitioned instead of unpartitioned. partitioned. Uh, so we did yeah we did so um, instead of doing plus, 100
0: 200 300 you did 5, five 10, 10
1: 15
0: 20,
1: 15, 20 times 20, yeah 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 um and then the run um and i did fine on that and it yeah it was fine i like to be honest keeping pull ups saved my life um, a lot of the guys were trying to do them straight, um, because they didn't have the, they, they weren't able to do that. So thanks, Um And then we did. You're wrong, Red Glassman. <laughs> and then we did PST, and, and then that night we um, we picked up all of our stuff. We had a gallon of water, our sandbags in the backpack, our food in our backpack, which were those flat-packed like military food. Mm-hmm. And they picked us up and drove us up to this mountain and just dropped us off the bottom like a bit of crazy, like, you know, squats and um, plank holds and, um, and leg raises and all that stuff. Yeah. When we got out and unfortunately they got my weapon off me, we went at the bottom of the mountain, so that wasn't a great time for me.
0: didn't just snatched it off you, but you weren't supposed to land it?
1: Well, we were we were doing a plank and you're supposed to do a plank on top of it, but uh-huh. my, my fingers were holding it and he just kicked it out from under me uh-huh. and kicked it across the road. Um so I had what to bear <laughs> had to bar- crawl over and get it, but obviously it was not a good time for me because he was like obviously you've let the team down and we told you not to do this and it's a big punishment for everyone, but it was my fault so I kinda of felt pretty bad. Um, That's like, oh. Yeah. And then uh, and then so they dropped the less mountain and just said, Okay, we'll walk up to that light at the top. It was pitch black. We didn't didn't know how long the distance was. Um, if you had to guess, that like, what would
0: you say from top to bottom, looking at what you were about to do, what would you have said it was? Ten k, twenty k. I'm
1: really bad at judging distances, and you know this. So I just kind of put the head down. I didn't really think about how long it was going to be, but I knew that the light that they told us to go to looked really far away. Okay. But the problem is, you don't know that. Like, if you if you know the distance of the if you know the map of the road, you know. The road that you have to stick on. We didn't know
0: how many wines and bends. Was yeah. It wasn't a straight road, it was no, like No, we didn't know. We couldn't yeah.
1: It was pitch black. The only thing we had was uh, those brake lights on the back of our pants. The glow sticks. Yeah, the glow sticks thing. And um, at this point, we were been put into swim, um, we have been put into boat crews. So we had like a team of four or five people that we needed to stick with. And they basically said just walk up to the top. And, and they had a safety car at the front and one at the back. And we couldn't really see the safety cards like they drove far away far enough away that we couldn't see them and I remember specifically I had this one guy who was an active SEAL who was with me and he kept trying to talk to me and I couldn't I couldn't speak I couldn't get words out and he, he'd been to Ireland and was, we had a lot in common he was in your boat he was participating he was, he, he was leading he was one of the instructors leading uh, this part right. this, this evolution and I remember uh, I remember he kept trying to talk to me and I just couldn't talk to him and um, it was it's This is, I think, the worst thing I've ever done, and I was going through it, and I was like, I was making up excuses to you in my head, and I had all these different excuses as to why I was going to quit, and I was making up excuses for my parents and my family, and I was making up excuses for Jake, and I literally was just talking them through in my head, and I was like, okay, this is what I'm going to say, this is why I can't do it, this is literally what I cannot get through this, and um and, and a lot, we like a lot of people dropped out then.
0: I was gonna say by this point, you're this is midnight. Or, this is the
1: night time of the, the of first, the first
0: day. How many people had dropped out by that point? Started twenty eight. How many are you down I'd from say
1: that? we lost about five or six at that point. Like one, up until that point. Yeah, a couple of people got get dropped because they couldn't do certain things, mm-hmm. and then one guy dropped because he couldn't stop vomiting, and um. um yeah, so a couple of people were forced to leave, and I think a few people at this point had left. But you're really disorientated. It's really hard to figure out. Well, for me it was anyway, what was going on. But yeah, that point was was the I think that was the lowest I was in the whole thing. I was definitely going to quit. But the thing is, when if you quit on the way up, you had to get into the safety car, and I still had to drive up the mountain in the safety car. They weren't taking people up. so I was like, oh, I'm still so going to have to get in the car, and I right? will walk up to the top. And at this point, they tell you to. If you do the training, the mental training for it beforehand, they focus a lot on breathing, and then they focus a lot on micro goals. And so I just kept looking and going, I need to get to that tree. Right. I need to get to that bend. I need to just get to that lump in the road. Not that you could really see the road, but I just was <laughs> focusing on these very small, small things, okay, that tree, that bend, whatever. And in between making the excuses to everyone as to why I was going to quit and these micro goals, I somehow made it to the top. Um, so we get to the top, and I was absolutely freezing. So I was soaking wet, and we were all sitting on the ground back to back with each other. And and they told us to take out these flat packed MRE things, which I was dreading eating because I'm not very good with eating disgusting stuff. So it was delicious. Well, as I said, they're not disgusting, right? They were lovely. They were lovely. I would say if, you ate them, if I ate them now, I would think they were gross, but at the time, they were lovely. We had to like. Um, get salt and sh- packet of salt and sugar and throw it in your mouth and then straight it your mouth and then drink water with it and they watched everything you do and they obviously know how many calories are in it so you had to eat exactly what was in it. Um and and then then I couldn't finish it and they were like, Well do you not think to give that to your teammate? Obviously you're not a great teammate. You know the guys are bigger than you and they need more calories than you. So did you not think about doing Like, oh, Jesus
0: Well so did you eat all?
1: I was going to. I was. I couldn't finish the last bit, and I was like, I can't finish this. And they're they the, the coaches were like, Well, you didn't think to even offer that to any of your teammates. And I was like, Oh my god, I'm such a bad teammate. What am I doing? So, uh, so anyway, so we were at the top, and yeah, they they kind of gave us a minute to eat and calm down, but I was freezing. I was shivering. Like my whole body was shivering. And um,
0: was the person you were sat next to really pissed off because <laughs> Sit still, <Cara>. girl.
1: <laughs> we were all. Everyone was like their hands, their whole body was just shaking at the top and it was cold up there as well because it was the middle of the night and then they basically then after we would finished eating just took our weapons off us, drove the cars off and just said run down and get down before sunrise. So we just walked up this whole thing and, and so we knew how bad it was to walk up so they took the weapons but we still had the weighted backpacks on and we just had to pelt it down um, and I remember on the way, and, and obviously my goal was to get up there and quit because then I'd get in the car and come back down. And so then I was like, well, I may as well run back down because, like, if I run back down, then, I mean, the cars are going to come back down. So it's good. So, uh, and at this point, we had this one guy on, on our team who was this, um, he was, what's the, the fighting thing name? cage? I don't know. Yeah. And, uh, and he was a very good Russian MMA guy and he was, Roaring in pain on the way down because he was cramping so bad, like, and you'd see him run and then just straight leg, like he couldn't move his legs anymore. They could be completely locked up, and um. And so, like, it was a bit weird because you'd hear all these people like screaming in pain. And then, anyway, um, we got down. But I remember uh, we got we got down and got down before sunrise or whatever, so that was fine. Put us back in the cars and then wrapped up the eighth, wrapped up the heat so we were ready to go to sleep and wrecked and stuff. So then we got back and I said, like, okay, well, I'm back now. And, and then at that point they said, okay, change out of your military stuff into your trainers and shorts. And I was like, well, this part's going to be good for me because I can run probably that was going to be one of my strengths so they took us to the swimming pool and then we did loads of work in the swimming pool and like duck walks and um, bear crawls swimming up and then duck walks and bear crawls back and I was actually all right at the swimming part so I was like can maybe I'll just try and finish this and then little by little I just I think I st- think I stopped talking about quitting because I was like I've done one night so maybe I can do another night and this. then and
0: by the time you had done that point so you would calm down and then you had done the next row and you're feeling better like how many people are left? Like, do you reckon less than half?
1: There was probably around, I think, tw- 12 left at this left point. Left by that
0: point after the first, like No, full no day. there was
1: probably around 15 or 17 left at this point. So yeah. just,
0: just over half, but that's after the first day.
1: Yeah. Okay. That, the, the, the mountain took out so many people. The people yep. that I never thought I would have taken out like really, really good people. Yeah. Um, And then, and actually when we were at that pool thing, I needed to go to the bathroom. The bathroom situation was a bit tough because all the guys were just, like pee anywhere and I needed to go to a bathroom throughout this whole event which was about an 800 meter run to a male toilet that I needed to use and then at the swimming pool there was this other toilet but there was guests in the campsite that we were doing this in and so when I was in the bathroom the women all the women were like you're our hero you should keep going and and that was like a really good boost even though they probably we weren't supposed to be exposed to that but I was like thanks (laughs) so that was really good um (laughs) And then we finished the, the swimming pool part and they took us on a massive, like, I don't know, probably 10 or 15K run, out over all the ridges of the mountains. And this is when we had to do, like, a pilot. There was a fallen pilot out somewhere in the bush. And we were given, like, a stretcher and we had to stretcher him back.
0: And what was, just quickly, what was the terrain when that was a road or was that dirt track or? It was
1: dirt track and then.
0: And then um, on the mountain run, that was road either, was it?
1: It was dirt track, dirt but, track. I mean, like, Basically, the first person would be like massive hole, and then we just pass it all the way back so that no one fell into the hole. It was really bad okay. terrain, it wasn't flat at all. And um, so then we did this really long run pilot stretch, yeah, yeah. Picked up the pilot, had to stretch her and back, and um, and yeah, did like loads of different stuff like that. But thankfully, they let us stay in our runners, which I was so happy about. Um, because so my feet were we all had trench foot and stuff at that point because our well, I a lot of us who had wet feet for that long. Um, so the we had to keep taking on on and off our boots and let the medic see your foot or whatever. Uh, so then um, we're at probably the the second day, in the second half of the second day, and we didn't know what time it was, and we were trying to judge by if your shadow is directly under you, it's midday, and then you're past midday, and then you're. Cases is that something time.
0: you guys just decided to? That something they were telling you.
1: This is one of the because re- a lot of guys were trying to do. They were doing this as prep of going into the seals. Right. So they they were probably more street savvy than me, and they're like, so if your shadow is over here, this means we're past. I'm like, oh great. So uh, so we knew it was past. I had a
0: mate once, we used to walk home from school back in England and he used to be able to guess the time, maybe that's what he did.
1: Yeah, Jack Reacher.
0: But it was also very quiet, so we just assumed we just counted the time. (laughs)
1: Um, And then, so yeah, so then we got to, we did um, log PT, which was the next big thing, that was awful. Um... So you just have one big massive log. I think that even distribution across all the people on the log would have been around 45 pounds um, oh
0: pounds okay
1: pounds yeah and then you basically just there's all these different positions so they'll say like log up then you say log up and they'll call out all of these commands you have to call them back so you're picking up the log under your arm then up to your waist then up to your shoulder above your head and then down to the other shoulder so would this
0: waist. look like if, like people are familiar with CrossFit like a team event They look like the worm essentially yeah. doing that like, kind of cleaning jerks with a worm over Yeah, so massively like team work oriented
1: yeah definitely um and we're back in. We're we were more height distributed in this one because if there's a really tall person, obviously they're going to bear a lot more of the weight. And um, and it was awful. I thought my back was going to snap. And um, uh, but yeah, we got along and we did the log PT. Then we had to walk with the logs around all this stuff, around like trees or whatever. Um, but I think the crossfit background ha- helped probably a lot with that. But I remember it was it was terrible. Um, And then we went back into the sort of hazing stuff. We had to do um, all of these different sprints and, you know, get to here, get back, get over there and make a sand cookie, which is when you have to dive into the sand, cover yourself completely, head to toe in sand. And if there's any part of your body that doesn't have sand on it, like the whole team gets punished basically. Um, Yeah. And And then come back and then, you know, run over there, dive in the ice bath and you have to completely submerge. And if anyone doesn't submerge and they catch that cats lepers and obviously team punishment again um then we headed off down to this grass area. We did, again, all of this all these races, so we were put into sprint teams and basically you had to sprint and do different tasks. So sprint up and then um, bear crawl back, sprint up and army crawl back, sprint up, dog walk back or whatever. Then they decided to take a rope and attach it to one of the kidnapper vans and we had to drag the kidnapper van all the way around this campsite. You know, we didn't know for how long. and, and yeah, it was just never ending, literally never ending. So then,
0: as these guys are putting you through these tests, obviously it's like the 52nd or 51st time they've done this. So it obviously super organized and planned. Like, Do you feel like they adapted it as you were going? Like these guys are doing well, we can give them something harder and then chuck in like the van workout or, or like yeah. it's quite adaptive as you go. Like, oh, these guys are being pussies, we're going to go easy on them or we're going to try yeah. and kill them. I.
1: I So it's hard for me to know if I've never done it before. And the impression that I get from them is they're super chilled out and they're not really concentrating on it. And they just, they make you feel uneasy in that way. But looking back on it, they were, I feel like they were so organized. They know exactly what's happening. They're watching every single person. There was one specific coach who picked on me so much from the very start. He was like, Oh princess, princess, you know, you're definitely not going to be here when I get back. And, you know, um, like I better say goodbye to you now because you're going to be out and he would go off for the night and he would be coming back the next day. He was like, "Say goodbye, say goodbye, because I'm dating You're never going to see me again." and So they they try and get into your head in different ways and um, but at the time you think it's just so casual, but it's definitely planned. I think that they're extremely skilled people and they know what they're doing. Was there
0: much female discrimination? Like, <laughs> did they pick on you especially for being a girl? Like, I don't yeah. forever ever think that ever go easy on you just because you're a female, no. but was there many like...
1: No, they called it obviously the fact that I was a girl, and they were like, just because you're a girl it doesn't mean that you're going to get any kind of a break or yeah. or whatever. Um, so they would say, like, they have different commands that they say to people, like, I, I don't know if I can say it, but like, taking the out or whatever. Like, oh, yeah. so just because just you're a girl doesn't mean that you don't have to do the exact same thing, and they would make me then lead the lead. At certain parts i lead everyone and just because i was a girl they would expect the exact same thing from me as they would from everyone else and yeah. um, the only thing is your weight in your sandbag is technically supposed to be less than the guys so um so that's the only break that you get um so so yeah so we had just pulled this van, this van all around the place and didn't really know what was going on um so then we came back to this camp to the grinder and we all sat down um they, one of the coaches kind of said to us okay you're you're doing a good job I think you guys are going to be able to get through this like keep working as a team keep focused on what you need to do um but you know well done um, and this is the first kind of break mentally that we had had and at this point Mark Devine arrived and he was I had been listening to his podcast for for a very long time I'd read his books and stuff so for me, it was a pretty big deal to see him come up, and he came over and had a chat with a few of us, or well, look, most people, and he said a few things to me, and that like massively picked me up, um, and and then uh, at this point there was a, there was a twelve hour camp. So there's three types of camps in Sealford, the twelve hour, twenty four hour, and fifty hour. There was a twelve hour camp starting. We didn't know it was a 12-hour or what what was going on, but we something was starting, and um, and basically they then had said to us, "Okay, you've got three minutes to get your gear ready and be out on the grinder in formation with your with your with your weapon, your bag, and your water," and um, and they just said to us, "Kind of good job, You're, you guys are doing good. Be ready in three minutes," and we weren't all ready and all hellberg hellberged us. No, so you guys, we told you doing a good job, and and now you just are you're done your shit together and it just turned into this insane like hazing thing again which coincided with them walking the 12-hour guys or the other camp in so they see us getting annihilated on the grinder which I'm pretty sure they also planned
0: they timed it for the guys in.
1: to freak them out and then they kind of put us together and and we were facing them on the grinder in our formation versus them and and the coaches are encouraging us to show them what to do and be a unit and work together and operate as a team and and they're really pushing that sort of stuff and a a big thing that kind of stuck with me which I've said to you is um is you have your swim buddy then you have your boat crew and then you have yourself and if you think about your boat crew and if you think about your swim buddy first then you never have to think about yourself because That's obviously true. your team two people will have thought of you before you ever had to think about yourself yeah. which is really good so and um, they, they expect that from you and they want you to work with the team and, and anyway so we as the 12-hour came in they got into formation we all i think we kind of went through their using with them and then they took us to the side and we were doing these uh another stretcher thing on the side while the 12-hour were, were getting set up but the guys came over to us the coaches and they were like you know, you guys now need to be, you've been here for 36 hours or whatever you've been here for, and um, you need to show them what we're about. You know, you need to represent now what's going on. And there was a real shift between previously us just getting, you know, really annihilated into now being kind of mentors to these guys who had just come in. Um, we, they were doing their mini-murph and they had a run, they had a one-mile run, and the, the guys were like, you know, not one of them should beat you. We expect that every single one of you are going to beat them. I'm sure they said the exact same thing to them. So they were coming out hot, ready to beat us. Yeah. And the guys were you better not get beaten by them. Yeah. And this one guy who had been picking on, not picking on, well, yeah, picking on me, then decided to run it with me. And they do a lot of stuff like, uh, how are you going to interject when your mind goes a bit dark and you don't know uh I don't know you're gonna be in a bad place or whatever so you need to have that trigger in your mind of what's the thing you're gonna say to yourself to get yourself out of a really bad headspace and they say a lot of stuff like easy day so he'll say it to you you say it back to him and you just keep repeating it and it kind of changes your your mindset um and he ran the whole one mile with me and pushed me and um did, we did like I think quite a good time but um, a couple of the other guys because they were totally fresh came in and beat us so that wasn't Again, a great situation for us, so a little bit of punishment. And then we headed off to the beach and we did um, surf torture that night altogether. So that was kind of the last... Well, this was the second night. Um, You're down on the beach and you basically... put you in the car and they make the car so hot and we were all so tired and when the car gets hot like the first thing you want to do is go sleep so we basically just went up all around this because we're all in the kidnapper van again so we were all just going up and down the kidnapper van okay what's your why tell me about yourself tell me tell me about your family and we had all disclosed a why we were all there and what we wanted to achieve at the start of this so we talked about it again as a team and um and the guy who had picked on me drove us to the beach and 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 he's like oh princess and you know doing the whole thing again so we get to the beach and then we do a surf torture which was I know, like most people would have seen what that is in movies and stuff where you go into the water walk in linked in arms and then you lay back in the water and let the surf take you in but you can't let your arms go and um, I remember the guys who I was linking with their arms were so big that my arms were so chafed afterwards <laughs> and, and when your arms get chafed like it stings in the water yeah like, you saw oh, water and then, oh, like, in the sand as well and your and your legs in between your legs are pretty chafed at this point as yes. well. So uncomfortable to be in there. You don't know how long you're in there. And we I was absolutely freezing. I couldn't control my body at all at this point. And on the way to the beach I'd been hallucinating a bit in the car. Like I thought there was I don't know, people dressed up like in dresses and stuff beside the road and was like are they doing it here? And as I got closer, I like, oh, that's just a tree. So, uh, so I knew that my mind was probably going a bit weird at this point. And, and you are about,
0: what, 40 hours in or?
1: Yeah, it was the second night and we were in the water and I remember looking in the water and seeing a big black like area in the water and it's this California ocean and I was like, hmm, that could be a shark. And then I was like, if I scream out shark, people are, people are going to all get out of the water and then I was trying to see, am I hallucinating or is that actually a shark? And anyway, I didn't say anything. Well, no one died, so it's fine. And, <laughs> and, and I, we'd be lying in the water, and one of the guys was like, can you see that spaceship? I'm like, no, mate, that's you're definitely a an <laughs> And and And, yeah, so I was beside an Aussie guy and then um, another swim buddy that I had. So we just, yeah, it was really bad, actually. Um, I won't tell that story, but anyway. Uh, so of, it's when they're all pissing on you. <laughs> yeah.
0: What, well, it'll keep you warm?
1: Yeah. They, were, um, they just went really quiet, and I was like, "What are you doing? <laughs> I was like, so, "That's disgusting." Thanks. Yeah, um, and then they but take But by you that up.
0: point, it's probably I don't care. so dehydrated, It's probably shit. just clear anyway. I didn't
1: care. Um, and then they take you in from the water, check your pupils, that you know you're still. Fine. A couple of the guys, yeah, a couple of the guys went a bit loopy at this point, and then they put you back in the water, and it's just so repetitive. You get into the water, they take you out, you go check your eyes, go back into the water, and then they do a lot of stuff like go make a sand cookie, get into the water, sand cookie into the water. Then we had our food, and then they did a lot of um, sandbag drills. So there was a there was a restaurant above, like, and it was heaps of stairs to get to it. So we just had to run up, drop the sandbag at the top, run back down, then run back up and get the sandbag. Really repetitive and just awful because at this point your legs are
0: and then when you're doing things like that in the middle of it how what's the intensity like they expect you to like you've got to run yeah. of time and then come back the like
1: goal base and you say before you do it how long is it going to take you and then you need to do it in that time and a couple of the guys at this point couldn't carry their sandbags anymore and their bodies were really giving up so we were trying to carry them up and down the thing and also carry their sandbags Um, so, so we got through that in the end, I think, I don't know how, I think that took probably around eight hours and then, um, they made us go through, well, they brought us up to the top and they made us then do all of the teamwork in silence. So they do, um, they do 10 count burpees. So we had to do all of that in silence we really had to know what the lead person was going to do and say and anticipate it and get it all right. Um, And then we got back to camp and uh, did. And we knew at this point, like, well, I knew at this point, like, we're two nights in; it can't be that far away. Like, and you're probably, like, obviously, mentally, you're completely changed. To okay, I'm gonna finish this. Um, they did a few. We were going out, and they were just hard egg sprints up the hill, up like sand dune hills, and back down, and like full tilt, absolutely full tilt. They brought us all back in and then they did the hazing thing, belly back feet, all together with the 12 hour and I actually didn't hear them but then they called it, they said you've been secured and I thought they had secured the 12 hour but not us and everyone was like well done, well done and I didn't really know what was going on and then you you you. Still doing burpees. Me. Yeah, still going hard <laughs> and then yeah they were like yeah you've done it um, and I just completely broke down at that point.
0: No yeah. bet. Yeah. And then, yeah. so like, so you, what happened? As soon, then you realized, okay, fuck, I've just finished this. Amazing. Yeah. Got obviously like, oh, like I'm done.
1: Yeah, I just, well, I just started crying in my hands. I couldn't talk to anyone. Anymore. Yeah. Um, but I was feeling good at this point because something had happened just before this, and one of the coaches just said, you know, she's anyway. I I was feeling pretty good, so. Um, and then when they secured everyone I was just bawling crying they took us over to the side then and um, with the coaches who'd really been with us and 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 did a debrief on like on your why are why you there and what have you achieved and what do you think and we all went around basically everyone was crying so I didn't feel so bad but uh yeah they just talked we all talked about what we were what we were feeling, what we were going through, but I don't really think anyone made much sense at that point because no. yeah.
0: So would you, would you share that with us? What was your why? Why did you want to do?
1: Um, I had actually said something different when I had just started it, um, but I had always had this uh, like self doubt was kind of coming into everything, like professionally. I just got a new job and, and like professionally I think. You know, you need a lot of confidence to be able to do what you need to do, and and then in training I get it as well, and then um, in relationships and stuff. So I'd always find like I question myself, and it's to a point it's productive because you prepare very well, but then to a point it's crippling yeah. because you stop yourself from doing things that you can do or you should do because you just question yourself so much, and I was I was struggling to find the balance of of how much do I question myself and then how much am I just crippling myself with self doubt or or whatever. So um I basically I think I just found the hardest thing that I could do to see if I could do it. And and I think even in the training part of the prep it, it started to happen to me in the last month, like you can't do this, you know, you're not gonna be able to get through it and then you're gonna have to make excuses for everyone. You spend so much money on this and you're gonna look like an idiot or whatever. So um So I think that was the real why for me.
0: Because you kept it pretty low key in the build up. You didn't tell many people. People just thought you were just like being an idiot. Some (laughs) people were like, "Oh, why is Carol not training anymore?" I'm like, "Are you serious? She's doing like (laughs) twice as much training as she was doing." All right. So then, and I think the other thing to to point out as well is to go through that and have and not quit and to finish it and do this amazing amazing thing. Like, so out of the 20 that started, was it 12 that finished? You were the only female. Only a couple hundred people have ever completed this amazing thing. Is that now to go and approach anything? You've got this—not like confidence that oh, you can do anything. But you've got to back yourself a lot more now because, I like, oh, I didn't quit. So, but it's very, like anything. I listened to Jason Klepper say the other day. He was trying to like put himself in a in an ice bath, and like there was no one there, and like the, like if he didn't get it. He didn't make a difference, but for himself. It was a big thing that I didn't quit and then you can carry that over into like workouts or whatever. You've done this like amazing thing and you made it through and you didn't quit. And even in like the training there was so much like external stress, physical stress and mental stress, and to go through this insane fifty hour workout and bear all this like punishment that they were putting you through to then be like, Okay, I've done this now. Like, how do you feel walking away from that? That's changed your approach to stuff you're doing now.
1: So, I, loads of people, before you do it, they're like, oh, it's going to change your life and all this stuff. I've I don't. I've never been one to believe in, you know, an event will change your life. Mm-hmm. Um, but I go back on that now because I definitely think it changes a lot of things for, for you. The completion of the event is one thing. Yeah, it's great that you completed the event and you'll always have that with you and... I always talk about this, like when at your 80th birthday, what stories are going to tell, who you're going to have there. It'll definitely be a story I'll have with me forever. But I think the most important part of it is the skills that they give you to complete it, right. less the actual completion. Um, the breathing, how to breathe properly, how to settle yourself, and then for me, a massive piece of it was micro goals. In when you're when you're there and you're at the. Um, the hazing part at the very start, it's so intense. And if you're looking down the barrel of 50 hours, you're, I'm, there's not a hope I'm going to complete this. Equally, the night of the um, the mountain walk, I just was there's no way I can complete this because I my body was like screaming. My hips were so sore and my feet were bleeding. And I was like, there's no way I can walk with this whole mountain. like It's not going to happen. And then when you go back to the micro goals, that's the... That's The biggest thing for me now is how do you apply all the stuff that you learn there? Obviously, take the confidence from completing the whole thing, but how do you apply all of the different techniques that they give you to every day and yeah, to every problem that like, you encounter? Or-
0: that's like the most valuable thing to take away for like, okay, let's put in something as like Rumido's CrossFit, you're doing a workout. How a 20 minute AMRAP now is nothing because it's just like, oh, micro goals, I'm going to do this movement when I yeah. complete that movement to the next movement. And look at, okay, I've completed this round, I'm going to move into the next round. It's such an amazing skill to have acquired to now, or like even work. It's just like, oh, I've got to get through this day of work. I've got this need to accomplish. Da, 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 da. Yeah. So that's incredible. Yeah. Um, well, I guess that kind of answers it, but <clears throat> what's like something you've. Like learned, I guess that kind of answers the question as your why. But what's like the most valuable lesson? Would that be the most valuable lesson you said? The micro goals is
1: for me. It was, it was, yeah, the micro goals. And then there's another thing that they teach you is just how to when you're going. They talk about going dark. So if you're going into a really bad headspace and you're not, you know that like you're dropping your head or whatever. Um, what's the thing you're gonna say to yourself that will uh, that will change your direction for me it was just keep swimming um, like and, dory yeah and and it's funny someone put that up on the board in base three yeah. and i had never told anyone that like a couple of weeks before i left which i thought was anyway and then they have other ones like easy day and mark devine's one is looking good feeling good ought to be in hollywood so they have all these different things that when when you know you're having a really shit time and you're i don't know either telling yourself, okay, this is really bad, I can't do this, whatever. Yeah. Then you have this thing to interject and say, okay, actually, no, I, I can do it. And then you go back to breathing micro-girls and stuff. And yeah. That's the biggest problem. Amazing. The
0: and then we've had a couple of small conversations, but I haven't haven't had the full story till now, but the swim buddy thing was really cool as well. I think that's yeah. a really cool concept you can put into, especially we train a lot for team events, yeah. is if you're thinking about your teammate and if that's the ethos across the whole team if you're thinking about the other three people in your team and they're doing the same that three people are thinking about you, you do have to worry about yourself because yeah. they've got your back covered that's I think amazing. that's a really selfless approach and a real good team attitude to have yeah. um, but also to again like a work environment a family environment to make sure that you're looking after the people that are going to look after you and you don't have to worry about yourself, you've got three people that have got your back that's really amazing um, and then breathing super important, I think that's very um, popular at the moment is understanding how to breathe and the science and the the popularity around breathing. I think that's something that these guys have been doing for a very long time. Or we're almost the pioneers of it in fitness. So I think that's very cool to to be able to use that as well. But I anyway, know that's very cool. Thanks for sharing that amazing story with us. One more thing I do want to touch on is um, you, you've done it and obviously been through this amazing. Experience and the training for it was so tough, and you spent six months preparing for it. Like what happens after it? You mentioned like post Kukocora. What's the what's training like after that? Is the what because it even with doing something as big as this, um, they talk about like the winner's curse. Like take for example Matt Fraser. He's won the CrossFit Games. What happens after that? You mm-hmm. finish the CrossFit Games. Like, so what, you've achieved the this amazing thing. Mm-hmm. Post that, how do you go back to your normal everyday life?
1: Yeah. How do um, you adjust? I don't think I was so ready for that. They're have pretty. they pretty strict on the protocols afterwards of rest and how do you um, help your body recover. And because then you have a family trip to yeah, Hawaii have, that
0: coincided with it, which is perfect for recovery. Yeah.
1: yeah, so I went to Hawaii for two weeks after, so that was great. Nice. But then, um, Yeah. But then you know, I think mentally when you come back, like, I had such a focus and I'm I'm really into having a focus and goals and stuff, and then I didn't have it. And also, you come to this whole pinnacle of, you know, what you want to do, and then it's a bit of a void afterwards. So I think I struggled a little bit to have then what the focus was. We had altitude when we came back, and um, which was, of course, of competition we were all doing. And then, um, yeah, so I think I'm still trying to find what the next thing that I'll focus on will be, but... Um, but yeah, that was probably one part that I didn't prepare for as much as, I mean, I was all focused on the event. I wasn't focused on afterwards. How are you going to feel? Yeah. What are you going to do? What's going to be the next thing for you? And I and and yeah, I definitely did create a bit of a. Yeah, he's been fine. I never, I did did create a bit of a void, but yeah. And then, so like,
0: good. do you do you feel now like all of your training now is kind of subpar versus the experience? Like, because okay, we're training. We've got another competition coming up, and we're training for that, and. Like you're coming to the gym every day and you're doing like an hour of training, you're doing like mm. six days a week versus the volume of training you were doing, yeah. and the mental preparation you having to go through. Do you feel now like what was, this is nothing?
1: I I love volume. Like if I if I could do more, I would always do more. And I think that's obviously something that really pisses you off. So, mm. uh, yeah, massively. So yeah. Uh, Cause and your body as well pisses your body off too. Yeah. So. Uh, So I would have to be the type of if I could do more, I would. So yeah, you have to then go back. And I actually took then. So we came back, and I came back into training about a month, month or six weeks after I finished it, and then did the competition. And then I actually took the four or five weeks off, Um, and I think that was really good for me to reset and just take a break and move away from it for a while. Um, And now I feel well, I'm only one week back into the new year, into training, but I'm really enjoying it again, and I and, want to get back into and it. And
0: physically, how did you cope, like, was there, how many weeks post-Cocora did you feel like you could actually train again?
1: Well, for me, I think I recovered almost too quickly, mm-hmm. almost to my, to my detriment, I came out of it with, like, you know, the normal stuff, like, muscle soreness, and, and like, my, my feet were pretty bad, like the skin and stuff on my feet were pretty bad and cuts and like toenails and gone and, nice. but overall I mean like one of the guys ended up in hospital like nothing like that happened to me so overall I, I really feel like I recovered quite well but I think that was to my detriment because I probably should have given myself a little bit more time well.
0: off And then you you think you jump back into training too soon, and that's what prompted like
1: another four-week hiatus later on. Yeah, definitely. We had we had a competition that we were focused on. I was already in a team and committed, so I knew I had to do that. in In hindsight, that might not have been the best thing for me to do. I probably could have taken more time off. and and but yeah.
0: Yeah, but ultimately, twenty-twenty. Of course, and then it was something that we battled on at the start. Is like taking this challenge on was a very big thing to take on and and you had to take the training for it very seriously and you wanted to keep your CrossFit training up, which is very respectable. You managed to maintain a very good level of CrossFit fitness and were able to do well. You guys came third at Baladaze. You Mm -hmm. guys did very well. Um, And Baladaze was what? Would it been like two months after Kokora? July, August, September. Yeah, two months. No, three months after. So managed to maintain a very high level of CrossFit fitness, which is something completely different to the training you were doing for Kokora then go through Bukora and be able to come out of that and do Battle the Ease and do so well. It was very impressive, even if you feel like it might have been detrimental to your training. I feel like you've survived Bukora very well and be able to bounce back and train in maybe too soon. Um, Maybe if you took like three months off of that and got back into the new year, probably would have gone mental. But yeah. It might have been better for you, but I feel like you handled it very well and, and obviously just a very tough person to be able to endure this and then to come out of it so well, so... But yeah, I think we'll wrap up there because that's like an hour and four minutes and I always said these podcasts oh, want to be,
1: okay.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I said they want to be like 20 minutes max Oops. but Cara just likes to talk. So um, <laughs> Thanks for sharing that. Um, I don't know what you guys should do now because Cara doesn't do much on her social media. She's pretty humble and doesn't like to post heaps about her training but if you do want to go and follow Cara, <laughs> then you go to...
1: Cara LeBron.
0: Cara LeBron, you want to do that. Um we uh what have we got going on what day is it today saturday we're about five weeks maybe six out from altitude so now i'm going to press stop on this podcast and give carol loads of shit about the commentary <laughs> um thanks for listening do something about subscribing and following and all that good stuff and then we'll keep updated about changing the name have an awesome day guys thanks